Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the final session of the Mountain State Council of the Blind Convention. I want to thank everyone who is joining us on ACB Media 8, and thank you for Katie for keeping us, or getting us on the air and keeping us there, hopefully. And I thank Cindy for coming back and hosting for us again this evening. So, as I said, this is our final session, and uh, before we go too much further, I want to thank our sponsors once again for their generous donations. And I'm going to read that list of sponsors. I should have it memorized by now, but I don't. Uh, okay, so our convention sponsors uh, are at the racer level is Conrad Bennett a Mountain State Council member. At the runner level, uh, we have, uh, let's see, Donna Brown, an, an anonymous donor, and then a corporate sponsor, Vanda Pharmaceutical. And as most of us know, Vanda has been a generous supporter of the American Council of the Blind for many years and many of its state affiliates. So thank you, Vanda. At our Walker level, we have Carol McGee, Kathy Gerhardt, Marcia Springston, and Musi Allred. And then finally, at our crawler level, we have Tim Hill and then an anonymous donor. So thank you again to all those generous sponsors. 50% uh, of the monies we bring in from convention sponsorships goes into our scholarship and technology funds. So thank you for uh, helping us support those programs. Uh, so let's start the evening off with a door prize, Marsha. All right. Enjoy this a lot. <laughs> My name's not in here, I'll have to tell you. <laughs> Apparently mine isn't either. I don't think mine is either. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> we have um, Chris Cook. Oh, okay. And another door prize from carol mcgee um a 15 i have i hop gift card i guess international house of pancakes yeah thing. yeah yeah so chris can go out to breakfast or whatever oh. you know <laughs> okay all right well thank you okay. uh, congratulations chris and thank yeah. you carol yes uh do so, we want to do any more or? Yeah, do one more. We have more. quite a, we have, uh, you still have, a, well, we get quite a few gifts here. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Let's, all right. Let's see who we have next. Uh, wait a minute. I, I'm trying to read it upside down and that doesn't, sometimes Braille actually makes sense that way. Hello. <laughs> Uh, Ninetta Garner. 
Oh, okay. All right. Oh, what did Dinetta win? Dinetta won um, a gift card from Donna Brown. Uh, let's see, Star, uh, Starbucks gift card for $10 to Starbucks. All Very right. Nice. Well, Very nice. Hopefully, Ninetta likes coffee. I think she does. Well, they have tea and they have uh, a lot of cookies there. And <laughs> okay, they've got really good tea. They've got a wonderful tea. Okay, all right. So, um, before we well, our next speaker is not here yet. So, um, I do want to congratulate. Um, we had our Mountain State Council business meeting this afternoon, and uh, we have, for those who weren't there, we have two uh, board members, new board members, Tim Hill and Glenn Pinkard, are new members of our board of directors. So congratulations, gentlemen. Thank you. Okay. Um, so... Marsha, let's do one more. How many more door prizes oh, gosh. do you have? I think, I think we have about five left. Okay. Okay. Want me to do another one yep. here? Yep. Do okay. another one. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Eric Bridges. Oh, he'll be, he'll be joining us here shortly. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a gift card from Wake Robin Gallery, a $30 um, gift card from Wake Robin oh. Gallery. So, Marcia, for those who don't know, tell us what Wake, I can't ever say that word. Wake Robin, Wake Robin Gallery. <laughs> I always want to put the R instead of the W. Well, um, what, where the name came from, you mean? Well, First, tell us what it is, and if you want to tell oh. us where the name came from. Well, that's a, a wake robin is actually a flower, and it was the name of a area oh. where I lived when I first started selling pottery. But I have moved several times and kept the name. So I make uh, the pottery here that I sell, and then I have a variety of other um, crafts, most from Appalachian region, woodworking, ironwork, glass, blown glass, and uh, jewelry, and uh, um, oh gosh, um, baskets, and um, all kinds of wooden um, kitchen utensils, candles, some scented candles, weaving, uh, some rugs and placemats, and um, but the only thing I actually make, I, I buy those other items from other craft people, but I make the pottery here. So um, the gift card is actually for for pottery, I didn't say that, but anyway, um, so I'll um, talk to him and help him, you know, choose something. Well, cool. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so, good grief, our presenter's not here. So, um, also, I do want to let people know and remind our Mountain State Council members, and we already have at least one order. Uh, in our fundraiser, um, our speaker this morning, Dawn Brush, a Pampered Chef consultant, uh, actually, as part of her willingness to present, offered to um, open up and conduct a fundraiser for us for Pampered Chef items. So um, the link has been sent to Mountain State Council members, and it will be sent to um, ACB Conversation so that ACB members, hopefully maybe we'll support our fundraiser. Uh, but 
certainly Mountain State Council members, feel free to share that link with family, friends, I don't know, co-workers, whoever, whoever you could maybe coerce to place an order. Um, and so that fundraiser, she said closes on the 15th, but on the website, it says the 22nd. But anyway, oh. order, order fast and furiously. That'd be a, uh, and also if anybody needs help with an order, they can either contact Dawn and, and, uh, it has a button on the actual website to click on to contact Dawn, uh, or you can contact me and we probably can fumble through it together. I haven't tried yet to order anything, but. And we have a door prize from her too coming up oh, soon. Oh, that's soon. right. That's right. We do. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do want to take the opportunity to thank a, a lot of the door prizes were donated by our members. I want to thank them for that. And uh, several from um, some of our uh, vendor uh, exhibitors or presenters or whatever you way around um, donated two door prizes, which was wonderful. Barry Sure from Guide Light and Gadgets uh, donated two door prizes, and then uh, Dawn Brush donated two door prizes. Estana, yes. um, speaker's here, okay. and she is in the uh, participants, so she'll need to be promoted. Okay. All right, I see her. Tatiana, you will get a message to promote to panelists. You need to accept it. Very good. Okay. Hello. There you are, Tatiana. Okay, great. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet. Uh, Tatiana Tolliver Hughes, who um, is from West Virginia, but more importantly, she was a, a scholarship winner from um, ACB National, and I actually got to meet Tatiana at the convention. She was actually able to be there in person in Omaha, and I was there too, and we had a wonderful uh we have first of all we had a hard time connecting because we were both <laughs> quite busy <laughs> but once we did connect we we had a wonderful time and um so tatiana welcome thank you thank you so much for having me so um tell our listeners first you know where you're from and uh maybe what high school you graduated from because some of our our members from west virginia probably will be for, it'll be familiar to them okay for sure um so i've i've grown up my whole life in west virginia um i was i, I was mainly in the charleston dunbar south charleston area and I graduated from Capitol High School. And for those who don't know, Capitol High School is a pretty large high school. So, <laughs> wow. Um, so, uh, Tatiana, do you have any vision? And if so, like, what what do you, you mainly read print or do you depend on uh, mm -hmm. audio or tell so, us more? Um, my acuity is 2,500 over 20, and I have um, like 70% of my field vision. Um, 
I still do focus mainly on auditory for reading. So especially for my big um, college class readings, I definitely focus on audio books and audio readings for the articles and things I'm assigned. Okay. So, mm -hmm. um, so tell us um, in, in high school, what, what, what was your favorite class or classes or subject area, I guess you could say. Absolutely. Um, so my favorite subject in high school, I would have to say was constitutional law. Um, I was very interested in kind of just learning like the workings and the roots of our uh, legal system and just our governmental systems as a whole, which actually kind of ties into my career interests because I'm planning to become a civil rights lawyer. So that definitely, uh, that was the kickstart for me. <laughs> and so did you were you planning to do something like that before you took that class or or did that sort of help you uh, figure out this was where you wanted to go? Um, so I had always um, played with the idea of becoming a civil rights lawyer. I definitely think that class like interested me more, but I think what really drove it home for me was just um, the the ability to advocate for myself and even like help my some of my mentees some of the kids I mentor advocate for themselves and help them advocate for themselves I think that was something that really uh drove me to pursue law as a career so um you know one of the big focuses on on the American Council of the Blind Mountain State Council of the Blind is advocacy mm -hmm. um and advocacy kind of encompasses a lot of, you know, a lot of areas, certainly. So uh, what what do you feel helped you to, to be able to advocate for yourself? I mean, that that's just not always an easy thing to do. Absolutely. Um, so I would say I, I definitely had a, a great support system. I had a very loving parents who, who were just who just were, were able to go and bat for me even when I would not want them to. So the way that they parented me, they they allowed me to handle my own problems and like try to work through things myself. But they also were very understanding in the fact that, you know, if you need an adult present, I, I want to be there. I am here. Tell me everything that's going on because I want to make sure you are getting the equal treatment that you deserve. Wow, very, very good. So in high school, what types of things did you have to advocate for? Um, so in high school, there was definitely a lot of difficulty with um, proving my blindness in a sense to my teachers. Some teachers would look at me and look at how I would interact with other students and, um, you know, just interact in the class and school setting overall and assume that I had more vision than I did. And um, they would often like, overlook my accommodations even after they would be strictly stated in my IEP so I would have to bring um, specific accommodations I required to their attention and like show them you know this this thing that you signed this thing is legally binding for my accommodations okay um yeah you know I, I've taught for you know 37 years and and I, I've always said I, I felt like students with low vision, sometimes had it much harder than students with no vision or very little because mm. I, I people think because you have some vision that you have vision <laughs> and that's uh, you know yeah that's absolutely I definitely um I definitely agree because 
even just um, just the the I don't want to say hassle, but just of having to explain like the the, specif the specifics of um, of my visual circumstances, like and having to explain that to each instructor in order for them in order to, uh, in a sense, give them incentive on why they should accommodate me when I should not have had to do that. But it's just something I learned was most helpful for me. So on to college, where are you going to college? I am attending Washington University in St. Louis. And so now I, I already know the answer to this because I, I did <laughs> ask you, but with the other stuff. So what what made you pick that college? I, I myself never heard of that college. Now, most people have. I just hadn't. Mm -hmm. um, but what what made you choose to go to that college? So uh, washing wash you. That's the nickname for it. But um. WashU really first came on my radar through a program called Questbridge. Um, I applied for this program because I knew that they were really good about helping um, just lower income students go to a uh, just a higher end university. And that was something I really wanted for myself. I wanted to, I found myself working very hard in high school and I really wanted a college that reflected that, but I also wanted an environment that surrounded me with people who had as much as a work ethic as I did. So I wanted to go to a, uh, a prestigious academic institution. Um, and so I applied to Questbridge and Questbridge has a list of 45 college partners and WashU happened to be one of them. So after narrowing down, you know, some specific ones like a a uh, like a college near the city, a medium to small college, smaller class sizes. After you know going through that and narrowing down that list, WashU was one of my was was one of my top choices. And even like throughout the college application process, they were just a very persistent school about showing me that I would be valued there. And um, even one of the things that really drove it home for me and really. Um, really set in stone my decision to go to WashU was their persistence and their um, their forwardness. They ended up um, flying me and my father out um, to see the school so I can get just more of a feel for the environment in person. And that that was that was really my decision maker. Well, so it it appeared they really wanted you as really as much as you wanted them. It sounds exactly. like Exactly. That, yeah, yeah that, that's great. So um, I know you've only been there, what, about a month or what, about a little bit over a month. Mm -hmm. um, are, are you finding it what you thought it would be or? <laughs> so absolutely. Um, I definitely think that there is a, a longer learning curve whenever you do have a disability when getting acclimated to classes and such. But as far as my professors go, everyone has been very understanding, very accommodating. And there's just been such a willingness to learn and understand. And that goes for, you know, student groups as well. That's something I was very concerned about was being able to integrate into student life, things that weren't headed by faculty. And I find that those groups are even more accommodating than some of my classes. For instance, I, I, um, I've recently been initiated into a business fraternity and you know, they, they are so 
persistent and like supportive in the fact that they want to make sure whatever events they're doing are comfortable for me and accommodating for me. And just coming from my, some of my negative experiences in high school, it's, it's been so comforting and I'm so incredibly grateful to have entered this environment with, um, with just such a high capacity of progressive thinkers. Well, that's, that's great. So what do you like to do in your free time? Oh, so <laughs> honestly, um, I like to fill my free time. <laughs> I'm a busybody. So um, I, so right now I'm like, I'm taking 18 credits, but when I'm not doing classes, um, I am the elected president of my residential college. So I am over about three dorms. Um, and, you know, I, I just make sure that our student engagement is good, make sure that everyone is comfortable if there are problems within that dorm area to address. Those are brought to my attention. Um, but I also am the PR for another woman's group on campus. Um, I'm, I, I, so I do uh, marketing and help organize for Queens, which is a Black woman organization on campus. Um, and I'm also, like I said before, I recently been initiated into a fraternity, a um, co-ed fraternity, so both men and women, um, and it's a business fraternity called AKSI. So uh, they really focus on helping me um, just get comfortable with the professional world, working on resumes, gaining internships, just getting overall business experience opportunities and things like that. So, so um, I'm going to uh, ask or talk to to Tatiana a little bit more, but if, if other people want to ask questions or make any comments, you can be raising your hand and we'll call on you here in a minute. But I want to tell a story. So uh, at the convention, you know, Tatiana and I were trying to figure out when we could actually sit down and, you know, chat and together. And we, we talked on the phone several times, but, um, mm -hmm. and so, so we, we were talking and, and well, we finally did agree on a time and I don't even know how it came up in the conversation, but I, I remembered Tatiana saying that she, and first of all, I, I was so impressed that Tatiana and, and the other scholarship winners apparently really bonded and, and did a lot of things together. And I just thought that was really neat because they didn't know each other before they went. Uh, but anyway, so somewhere in the conversation, it came up that, that the night before at midnight, Tatiana <laughs> and some of her friends were in the fitness center. And I thought, oh, my gracious, <laughs> uh, to be young again, to be able to do that at midnight. We had to get our fitness in, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in that conversation, though, you mentioned something about that, that you – you know, showed them, uh, some of them, you know, some of the exercises, were you part of a, a, a fitness group or something, you know, at, in high school or how did you, um, um so I was not part of a fitness group in high school. Um, I did, I did, I was pretty active in sports though. I did do uh, track and swim my freshman year and I did like show choir and choreography, um, up until like my senior year of high school. But um, my parents were always very active in the gym. Uh, my dad, even like, my mom was an actual weightlifter. She competed in um, competitions. And my my dad, he he was a uh, football coach and he was uh, a fitness class instructor for like youth for high schoolers. So they both were just able to show me how to really get comfortable with the gym and get comfortable in the gym. And so, you know, when bringing my friends in there, I just kind of wanted them to feel the same way and find the gym as like an outlet. So 
that was that was kind of what gave me that knowledge to be able to like help them kind of feel it out in a sense like I had to fill it out every time I enter a new gym right yeah yeah (laughs) well I don't know if anybody else has picked up on but Tatiana definitely demonstrates some leadership qualities (laughs) qualities <laughs> and certainly advocacy skills <laughs> uh, so are there any hands uh let's see no i have to check oh. your side uh-huh. that's it just uh, no okay well uh so um I will ask just a couple of more questions. So, um, has okay, got one. Oh, well, <laughs> Donna, right, go, you know that always happens. I know. Let uh-huh. me ask my let me ask my question because I'm old and I'll probably forget it. <laughs> uh, and then we'll take that hand. Um, so, ha- has there been anything that has really surprised you about college? Um. Yes. So I would definitely say. Um, that in college, in the classes I'm taking, um, as I'm pursuing a liberal arts education, we very rarely just stick to one or two textbooks and read readings exclusively from those texts. Um, There are a lot of different readings from a lot of different authors from um, a a lot of different websites. Some are old, some are new, and kind of just finding finding, uh, ways to get my screen readers to become compatible with all these different formats was something that surprised me a lot because each week I am having to, you know, look at new readings and look at new formats and make sure that they are accessible. And I'm working with disability services right now to make sure that I am able to fully participate in things like that and make sure that everything in the classes for that are good. But it is definitely something that took me by surprise, um, especially for, for instance, like my feminist, um, my feminist, it's so it's it's um the acronym is WIGS. it's women gender sexuality studies and for that class alone i have downloaded i would say like seven books from bookshare for that class and uh it's not like reading books all at once you just read a chapter um but they all like range and they all are jumbled like in the syllabus. So just bouncing around from different texts is something that was really surprising. <laughs> that that would probably surprise me too. <laughs> all right. Who do, who do we have, Cindy? Okay, Marsha. Okay. Oh, uh, thinking about college and hearing how busy you are. I just, <laughs> I'm going to have college nightmares tonight. <laughs> because oh, no. It was so hard. So I was wondering, you know, with your technology and when you read, books out loud and stuff do they get are you able to have a room to yourself (laughs) I know that's a big deal um so actually no um for well actually okay so that's yes and no um for in class um you know I'm, I'm in class so I usually just like use my earbuds and I'll have them connect to like some apps on my ipad and I'll just like read through things through that um it's it's a pretty seamless compromise but Definitely, um, I did request a single dorm room. So I am in a dorm room by myself. Yeah. 
Um, and that is very, very helpful. Cause I mean, you know, you, you get tired of having to have earbuds in your ears all the time and just having your voices speak out loud is, is helpful and calming in a sense. So, um, I definitely, I definitely think that my single is a big help. It is my favorite study spot. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I probably drove my first roommate crazy. So (laughs) I was just thinking of that. Yeah. And, um, well, you sounds like you're starting out very, very well, and I wish you the best. And um, I can't imagine that you even have any spare time. <laughs> thank you so oh, thank much. You. Yeah. So, Glenn? Glenn had his hand raised. Okay, I have a um, two-part question, I guess. Uh, working at the School for Deaf and Blind, I want to say congratulations and and. I'm so proud that someone from West Virginia won the scholarship, but also do you use Braille at all? And how are you handling math classes in college? Because Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we are preparing our students for math in college as do you use Nemeth? Are they able to provide you anything? Mm -hmm. How, and, and even if you're not using Braille, how are you handling math classes? So um, this question is interesting because right now, this semester, I am not taking math classes. That is one of the perks of my little liberal arts education. Now I got to do that. But (laughs) I will say that I was at West Virginia State University my senior year of high school, and I did have to take college algebra there. So I do have some tips. Um, So definitely just getting my, um, which also just to read circle back to the first question um for braille i don't use braille when doing work i use braille when identifying like um addresses room signs um restroom signs things like that that is where i usually use braille in classwork i um do auditory or large text so for math um i would have the teacher send me pdf documents of his notes of his text that he was planning to go over in class and I would follow that way and because usually no all the time the notes were in chronological order so that worked for me um but also just um especially now I think that um students will find there is a lot there there are a lot more accessible options in college now because we rely so heavily on technology um that even I found like when coming here even without my accommodations, things, a majority of my work still would have been very accessible just because it is online. Okay, do we have any, any Thank other? Thank you so much. Of course, yes. of course. Okay, oh, Missy. Also, sorry, you said you work at the, um, the School for the Deaf and Blind in West Virginia? Yes, ma'am. I'm the uh, Braille specialist now and oh, uh, an aide. And um, actually, uh, Conrad, our treasurer, works there as well as an aide, Uh, and Donna works there, and uh, several other people uh, in Mountain State have worked there at some point in their life. (laughs) 
<laughs> so. Okay, well, I would definitely, I would love to network with you later on because I am the second vice president of um, ACB students. Oh, did you, did you get that? I, I couldn't remember if, if you did. <laughs> I did, I did get that. Um, All right. Yes, and we are definitely, we're working on student engagement and even making sure that students in high school know about these scholarships and know about these these organizations and these people who are like open and excited to mentor them through the um through the collegiate process so i would i would definitely love wonderful to uh, you have my cell number feel free to use it absolutely <laughs> she has mine too so uh, wonderful um well, Tatiana, or was there uh, Musi had it? Go ahead, Musi. Yes, Musi, yep. go ahead. Go ahead. Unmuted. Sorry, I almost forgot you. <laughs> okay, uh, I just wonder uh, how you get to class on time. Do you have a? <laughs> you, have a <laughs> yes. you don't have a problem getting around. So, um, I, <laughs> I definitely, um, I would say it's it's very not easy to get around, but I'm very familiar with the campus at this point. Okay. So um, getting to class on time is just more, more, more so time management than anything. But um, for me, I also made sure because I'm not a morning person. So I made <laughs> sure that all of my classes would start at 10. So that I would have time. <laughs> um, but also they do provide like transportations, op transportation options for on campus. They do have like a medic transport. So I can call if um, I'm if I'm going to a new class and I have no clue where it is but also there are so many like students here are really great at like giving directions uh -huh. surprisingly enough I've never I've never worried about like not finding my way on campus okay. so yeah. thank you thank you of course all right do we have anybody else mm. no as soon as I say no yeah, well, no. <laughs> going once, going twice, <laughs> gone. <laughs> well, Tatiana, we really thank you for, you know, it's kind of hard to g give up a little bit of your time on a Saturday evening in college. I've been there and done that. Um, but we just thank thank you for spending some time with us. And hopefully you can spend some more time with us at, at some other time in the future. Absolutely. And certainly good luck with your college class but classes rather but also in, enjoy the experience and it sounds like you're doing everything you can to make the most of it and continue to do that and we certainly wish you well and if you ever need you know any support or have any questions or whatever you know you can call us thank you so much i really appreciate it all right thank you very much again for giving up your time to be with us <laughs> So we are going to go from scholarship winner to ACB executive director. Uh, our next presenter is here, Eric Bridges, uh, who is ACB's current executive director. Um, and he can tell us a little bit more about, he's, I, I consider him sort of like one of those Midwest boys. He's from Iowa originally. Um, I would say moving into the D.C. area was a lot different than living in Iowa. <laughs> but, um, Eric, we want to welcome you, and we thank you for being here this evening with us. And it is, it's all yours. All right. Well, thank you, Donna. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm uh, wearing my Iowa Hawkeyes sweatshirt this evening. and um, Are they playing sad. football? Oh, uh -oh. No, they they played not very well, but yes, they played today. <laughs> they 
they got beat by Michigan. Uh, it was a, a noon kickoff. So, but at any rate, yeah, yeah I've, I've lived out here. I moved uh, out to the DC area right after college. And so I've been out here for about 21 years now and uh, have a family. My wife, Rebecca, we've been married for 15 years and we have uh, two young children, Tyler, who's eight, and Noah, who is a crazy kid. Uh, <laughs> he'll be three in December. He's awesome. They're both awesome. And uh, Rebecca is also blind and has a guide dog, and uh, I have a guide dog too. So we are a family circus when we travel anywhere. Um, <laughs> witnessed it actually. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, but thank you very much, Donna, and, and for the Mountain State Council for inviting me to, to be part of your, your, uh, convention this weekend. Um, it's, it has been a, a true joy and, and, uh, a lot of work, but really an honor to be able to, to work for the American Council of the Blind for the last 15 years. I started in June of 2007 as the director of advocacy and governmental affairs and did that job for about six years. And so really got to uh, learn the advocacy issues that ACB uh, was working on representing ACB uh, to the federal government, as well as Congress and also uh, with corporate America and was really um, talk about a talk about a uh, a learning curve right um, I had I'd worked at other organizations I actually came off of Capitol Hills working for Congressman John Klein uh, as a uh, Brookings Institute uh, fellow uh, the year previous to, to joining ACB and I had my own portfolio of issues that I worked on for the congressman uh, none of which were disability related because I wanted to do some different things. So I was you know, dealing with issues pertaining to mine safety and health. Uh, I, I joined his office uh, essentially right after the uh, Sago uh, mine uh, disaster. So I got to know all about uh, MSHA, the, the brother to OSHA within the Department of Labor, and I got to, got to deal with uh, digital t television transition issues because that had not yet occurred. Got to work with the FCC, and that was like a foreshadow of coming events for me because I wound up working a ton with the FCC in my job at ACB, and I, I worked on several other events, so uh, issues, and updated the, the congressman staffed him uh, on in committee hearings and, and all of that. So coming to ACB um, and leaving that role gave me some pretty good insights um, to how to frame our issues to people on the Hill in a way that could be understandable and could be, uh, you know, in, in that role, you're looking to influence folks on, on Capitol Hill. So you need to make a good argument. And so, I was able to, to learn how to do that. Worked on uh, the, the 
21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, which was just so cool. Um, being able to be part of a landmark legislative uh, victory of that caliber that really sought to, to, to fill in the gaps with regard to accessing technology um, that were so apparent at that time as smartphones were becoming uh, household items and uh, cable TV was all the rage with DVRs, access to emergency information. And then uh, the, other, the other component of this was requiring a certain amount of audio description on network and cable TV. And so through those negotiations, um, built very good relationships with corporate America, with uh, companies from the tech sector like Microsoft and Cisco and Google, Apple, and then, you know, companies like Comcast and Time Warner, which is now Charter, uh, and others. And so as the, those regulations were being, from that law, were being implemented, it allowed us the opportunity to reach out and talk with those companies about not just making those products and services accessible to the letter of the law, but actually, could we work with you to make them usable? Uh, and so we've been able to forge over these last many years, some really good relationships with companies uh, and have a seat at the table as they're dealing with uh, product development cycles for smartphones or operating systems or apps, you name it. Um, you know, is everything always perfect? No, it's not. Uh, but one of the really neat aspects about all of this is that when we talk with them, they listen. And, um, you know, we're, we're able to have frank and honest relationships with these, with these companies. And in turn, these companies have, have viewed the work that we do with them as being highly valuable. And so they've elected at times to support the organization because it costs money to do advocacy, to keep the lights on, <laughs> as it were, on a monthly basis. So these very same companies have sponsored our conventions or sponsor other events that we hold throughout the course of the year. And I'll get into a couple of those here in a minute, but we've been able to use advocacy uh, very effectively. And at times, I will admit, uh, our spirit of collaboration isn't always met with an open door. And so uh, we have a, a toolbox. And the last tool in that toolbox is legal advocacy. And while we don't lead with it and we don't love to use it, we also don't hesitate to use it when the, when the situation calls for it. So you've witnessed us uh, the, the national organization undertake legal advocacy with uh, companies 
against the federal government, dealing with accessible currency, uh, dealing with the Social Security Administration, among others. So we have a, a, a culture of collaboration, but we have a steel spine <laughs> when it comes to the, the issues that really matter to the membership of ACB. What I thought I would do is talk a little bit about some of the work that we're up to this year. And then it's sort of how I feel like the work that we're doing now extends into the future, to the next three, four, five years of ACB. Uh, we've undergone quite a bit of growth over the last five years, and I'm very proud of that. Um, from, a, from a business standpoint, you know, an operating budget that was maybe 1.2, 1.3 million, that now this year is about 2.5 million. And we've been able to add some, some staff to work alongside the members to be able to do more for ACB, uh, but also for the broader blind community. And this decision was not made by me per se, but it was a strategic decision to expand our staff footprint uh, by the board of directors. And uh, obviously with, with my support. And so in my role, I'm, I'm responsible for the day-to-day -day operations of ACB. Uh, ACB is a business, it is a nonprofit business. And so there are all sorts of considerations that I need to take into account when we're working on certain initiatives. But this year has been a particularly uh, hectic one uh, with a myriad of events. Uh, and <clears throat> why, don't we, why don't we just kind of dive in? In March of this year, we held our, our DC Leadership Conference, which really encompasses two conferences in one uh, weekend, and that is the Affiliate Presidents Meeting, as well as the Legislative Seminar. And we did this meeting uh, due to the, the current state of play at the time with COVID. We elected to do it, to hold it uh, virtually, and received a lot of very good feedback over the, I think it was roughly three-day period of, of content that we provided. Um, well over 200 individuals uh, registered. One of the neat components um, of our virtual conference as well as our conventions is that there are multiple ways for folks to participate, to, to listen. And a lot of this is due to, I, I would argue, the pandemic accelerating the development and sort of the, the growth of what used to be known as ACB radio and is now known as ACB media. Uh, we sort of reimagined uh, last year ACB radio uh, with a lot of consultation from folks that have been active in ACB radio, uh, the leadership of the organization. We gave it a new, uh, new website as well as uh, 
a new brand, ACB Media, because it really does extend beyond just radio. Uh, the, through the pandemic and the creation of our community, uh, virtual community platform, it allowed us to hold live Zoom calls, but then also to record them and make them available for podcast download later. And so how cool is that, right? So we've been able to generate oodles and oodles of content. That is a technical term, oodles. Um, and, <laughs> you know, it, it's been just wonderful to, to watch this grow. It's been, a, it's been a lot of work and a lot of strategizing and how to best do this. So you can listen to the, to the leadership conference, right? Uh, through acbmedia.org, through the ACB Link app, which I like to use, which you can download in the App Store or Google Play. If you registered, you got your Zoom link, so you could go in that way. Um, and then we have a uh, skill that I'm guessing quite a few people are listening to tonight that aren't in this Zoom room right now. Uh, there's an Alexa skill where you ask it to play ACB Media, and it will give you the option of uh, 10 different options, one through 10. This evening, we happen to be on ACB Media 8, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, that, that affords us the opportunity to provide so much more content for people to consume literally in their living room with their echo. And I know our committee, our community individuals tend to have more than just one echo in their, in their home or their apartment. I know that I think we've got like six, which is probably four too many, but whatever, um, so, you know, the, the leadership conference was was big. Um, and the, the, the use of ACB media has been enormous for us the last couple of years. You fast forward to our convention this summer that was done in a hybrid fa fashion. And, you know, it, it, was, uh, it was a lot of learning that went on this summer about the audiovisual component, the virtual, the virtual attendee, versus the in-person attendee. Uh, we, we conducted a survey after the, after the convention was over and we'll be providing uh, more in-depth data points during the board meeting on October 22nd with the board. But Rick Morin, who's our manager of ACB uh, Media and our IT manager is working along uh, with Janet Tickleman to compile that data to get a better understanding of what folks thought about uh, the content, uh, the duration of the of the convention itself. But I, I will just say I really missed being around people, uh, having it be literally three years to the date, essentially since we had held our last. Uh, in-person convention in, in Rochester, New York. My son, Noah, who's going to be three in December, he wasn't even born when we were in Rochester. So it was <laughs> just as a, you know, a, a timeline perspective for, for our family, you know, Rebecca was pregnant, but he wasn't even born um, the last time that we were all to, together at a convention. So um, at that convention, 
we uh, we did a couple of really cool things um, from my standpoint, and the membership indicated that it was very cool afterward as well. And we we did the Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, which I think Donna Brown might know a little bit of something about. Um, but before that walk, we did a tailgate, which was a really fun get together with hot dogs and hamburgers and we're able to to talk about the get up and get moving campaign and introduce as part of the 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 tailgate and the walk two sponsors of get up and get moving that we've been able to uh, acquire over the last several months one is walmart and the other is nike and so they were both present um, not just at the tailgate, but then the next evening, we did a, a walk on the pedestrian bridge from Nebraska into Iowa. And it was uh, it was so fun. We had, I think, close to 90 people there that evening. And uh, the ability for folks to be together and to get out and to walk and to hang out, um, I heard over and over again uh, at the convention and then after that, uh, there's survey, there's some survey data that, that helps to show this as well, that the, the get up and get moving campaign and those two events that, you know, were, were uh, that it was a part of, were really valued by our members. And the get up and get moving campaign is something that uh, has developed over the last, really, I would say, year and a half, very organically through the membership. And, as we were not able to be around one another. And for a time, we weren't really even feeling comfortable about leaving our homes because of the whole six foot distancing uh, recommendation from the CDC. It became very clear that our community was very isolated. The other thing that became very clear though to, to us is that uh, this just it, like shone the light on a problem that our community had not been dealing very well with for decades, which is uh, living sedentary lifestyle, right? Uh, not getting out, not moving around, not exercising, just kind of hanging out on the couch. And the, the Get Up and Get Moving program has really sought to take a look at that and get people thinking differently, um, allowing ACB, affording ACB uh, at the national level, the opportunity to reach out to exercise and fitness manufacturers, to talk with them about making their equipment accessible. A couple of notable examples would be Peloton with their, with their announcement of their tread and the accessibility of it uh, just within the last month. Concept 2 and their rowing machine uh, and the app that goes with it. That announcement actually came out while we were at the convention in, in Omaha. Um, but, you know, we can go and get gym memberships and then not be able to use 80 to 90% of the equipment in the gym in the same fashion that our sighted counterparts can because the 
user interface is not accessible. Um, we can we can go to the doctor and talk to the doctor about what is going on in our lives, have them take tests or do tests on us, and then not be able to accessibly or privately uh, access that data through a patient portal afterward and rely upon somebody to call and give us that, that very sensitive private data or rely on a family member to share it with us, which is also not ideal. So the Get Up and Get Moving campaign is looking at these things. And how can, you know, how can we as an organization shine the light on all of this, right? So there's a, a public awareness component of this that is very real. And so in the, in the coming months, you're going to see more about the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. And in fact, it was established as a, as a full committee inside ACB during our board meeting in Omaha. So initially, we thought that this would maybe be like a three-year campaign where we'd launch it and create a bunch of awareness around it. But what we've learned is that uh, we've touched a nerve inside our community, inside ACB, but I think I would argue inside the broader community and the desire for this to continue is, is immense. And so there will be some, some planning that goes on in the coming weeks around get up and get moving and what we're going to be doing, you know, in, in 2023 and, and beyond, because we want to make sure that as we, as we continue to build out this program, that we do it in a way that, is going to be beneficial for the maximum amount of people and that we're, you know, we're listening to the desires of the membership. So, so the convention, that was, uh, that was quite a week. A lot of people got sick that week. <laughs> I got sick that week. I got COVID that week, but there were a lot of tests that were shipped to us that week as well. And uh, the federal government, um, National Institutes of Health in particular, and a, a center at, at NIH uh, shipped, I believe, what was north of a thousand of these more accessible uh, COVID tests. And this is an area that, that we've been working on with the federal government since really December of last year to look at the COVID tests um, and figure out a way to make them more accessible moving forward. And really what we want, it's not just COVID tests. We want all these diagnostic tests that you take at home. We want all of them to be accessible. Uh, blind women for decades have had to have their best friend or their mom or somebody come over and read them their, their pregnancy test results from EPT or other, other providers. So what, what we're wanting and our expectation from the work that we're doing with NIH is to have all these diagnostic tests be accessible to us uh, 
as we as we move forward. And the the COVID test was really just the kind of the the necessary leverage and flashpoint for us to be able to begin this dialogue. And we're we're encouraged, I would say, by the by the response of the government um, to our our you know direct uh, request to have them take a look at this issue. So we've got um, you know, we've got the COVID tests. Uh, a bunch of other stuff took place at the at the convention. Uh, there's always audio description stuff that takes place at the convention, and that leads me into the to the last event of the year, which is the Audio Description Awards Gala, which is going to be held. This is our second one. It'll be held November 29th, 7.30, and it'll be uh, live streamed on YouTube, our ACB YouTube channel as well as uh, through ACB Media, likely in Clubhouse as well. And there will be, uh, in the coming weeks, there'll be an announcement. We have another streaming service that has agreed to stream it uh, and make it available on demand on their streaming platform for a period of time. So pretty excited about that. We've got, uh, you know, last year, we had Jason Momoa, if you all remember, Zachary Levi, uh, Kurt Warner and his wife, Brenda, who were promoting a, a movie that came out on Christmas Day about Kurt Warner's life. And a slew of other celebrities. And this, this gala really seeks to recognize companies and other organizations that are doing amazing work as it pertains to audio description. So really the, the entertainment world. So last year we honored Apple and Netflix, Comcast and others. And this year we've got another great slate of honorees that we will be recognizing. And all that information will be made public here within the next six to eight weeks. But Last week, we did we we announced uh, first of its kind the Audio Description People's Choice Award, where we had a, a committee of individuals who are blind uh, nominate ten different programs to be considered for the Audio Description People's Choice Award, and uh, the announcement came out last week. And if you haven't gone and looked uh, and made a selection, please do. Uh, it's super easy to do. It's a SurveyMonkey um, setup. So it's just a, a checkbox and uh, you can only vote once. So, uh, so don't go trying to vote multiple times, but there are some great shows that are, that are listed there. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ted Lasso, uh, Law and Order SVU and others. So um, this is a great way to engage the community within audio description regarding, you know, their desires to, to have uh, a particular show recognized. The other really nice thing that we've done with this award is next to the, to the name of the show, we've also indicated 
the company that has done the audio description because we feel like that is so key in all of this, right? Uh, the key to enjoyment of these shows is that they are in fact well described and audio described. So this last week has been amazing. Um, I'd like to just take you through three or four of the sort of quick hits. Uh, number one, on Wednesday, uh, there was a ADA anniversary celebration held at the White House. And I know most of you are going, well, that happened in July, Eric. Well, yeah, the, the <laughs> July 26, 1990 is the, the date that the ADA was signed into law. Uh, Unfortunately, President Biden had COVID when that was supposed to take place, so they they, uh, they pushed it back to September 28th. And uh, Clark, our own Clark Rockfall, was there uh, in the Rose Garden and actually got to meet the president and talk with the president for just a, a minute. Um, had a had a good good opportunity there. And he also met with some other members of Congress while he was there. So that that sort of opportunity doesn't happen every day. And it happened to be a beautiful day to be outside in the Rose Garden as well. So that was that was one thing. At the end of the day, we got word on that same day, that the web access uh, legislation that we'd been working on for the last roughly 18 months was going to be introduced in both the Senate and the House. So Senator Duckworth uh, from Illinois and Congressman Sarbanes from Maryland introduced these pieces of legislation. So S4998, missed it by 5,000, by two. <laughs> um, and then HR9021, really looking to um, shore up uh, the accessibility of you know, web-related digital assets. So not just websites, but apps and, and other things out there, right? And um, how we are expected and need to be able to interface and engage with them in an accessible fashion. So uh, big day. It's always a big day when you get legislation introduced and you know it it likely will not pass both bodies this year but what this does is it gives us a marker to put down for the beginning of the next congress where we can reintroduce it so it's not some theoretical white paper any longer it, it, it's a bill it has a bill number as a title and it has champions in the house and the senate so uh, ACB was pleased to work with the American Foundation for the Blind, the National Federation of the Blind, as well as the National Disability Rights Network in order to get this uh, bill introduced, which we're all excited about. So, and then if that wasn't enough, <laughs> we on Thursday uh, did. Uh, a community event where we introduced the ACB uh, community and ACB membership to the uh, scientists and educators and writers from the James Webb 
Science Telescope Institute, which is based out of Baltimore. And uh, back in, I want to say early August, uh, pictures from that telescope uh, were made available to the public and made news because it was taking pictures of the universe, uh, pictures of the universe from back in time. Um, some of the most powerful technology used to, to take to take photos of the universe. And when that occurred, the folks at, at the Institute um, were, were sitting there trying to figure out how to explain to a blind person what is in a photo, in those photos, with the understanding that to the untrained eye, sighted people, it takes them a long time to fully immerse themselves in one of these photos because there's so much happening, so much going on. And really, what are you looking at truly to the untrained eye? So they uh, worked to write alt text for these photos so that when you go online, uh, you know, there were Washington Post articles, New York Times articles, the, the James Webb uh, website itself has obviously loads and loads of photos. Um, but the alt text is there and it gives you a really good understanding of what is in that photo, the depiction of the what, what's in that photo. And for the most part, folks are taught that alt text needs to be brief. And uh, I would say the overwhelming majority of the time that is the case. But for this, they were, they really needed to kind of stretch their legs and give a, a, a good solid description. And so that's what this event was on Thursday that we did with them. It was about 90 minutes. It was done through Zoom. It was uh, done on video. It was streamed over our YouTube channel, over our Facebook page, in Clubhouse, obviously through Zoom, uh, through uh, as a community event. Uh, some questions were taken and then uh, uh, an event was held afterward to, to talk about it. But uh, the, the individuals from James Webb were so uh, happy to talk through kind of their thought process and actually helped to kind of educate us a little bit on how how does that the how do those visuals that come from somewhere out in the universe and into a computer how do they get translated into a, a photo with colors and um it was really pretty fascinating to, to listen to how did this happen how did we do this we just reached out to them through social media as they were making this stuff available, Kelly Gask and Clark and I sat down and said, well, this is, this is just tremendous. Uh, they didn't have to have public pressure to do this. They decided that they wanted to do this. And hopefully in turn, in the future, because of this, you know, there will be, uh, you know, blind students that are going, well, gosh, this is, this is awesome. I want to, you know, I want to get involved and, 
in in STEM, um, and you know, they they were quite uh, assertive that you know they they'd love for blind students, you know, young blind people to get more interested in you know astronomy and related fields, um, and that this is one way where they could help to paint an accessible picture. So really cool. So we have the James Webb experience where we're looking at the universe and we've got ACB who is looking at, you know, the next three to five years and sort of what is that going to look like for us as an organization? Um, how do we how do we continue to evolve the organization uh, to be able to do more for our membership and the, and in doing that for the broader community? And I thought it'd take just a couple of minutes to give you some of my thoughts. Uh, you know, I am the day to day leader of of ACB, but I have a, <clears throat> a board of directors that I work for that is made up of the elected membership and have a lot of a lot of respect uh, for for them. I see, obviously, Donna here. Um, but I thought I'd give you some of my thoughts. Um, it's been a pretty crazy ride during the pandemic. Um, a lot of growth in areas that we, I don't think, could have ever anticipated. Some things we were forced into and it wound up being a blessing, <laughs> like the use of Zoom, for example. Uh, most all of ACB's committee meetings and or I would argue most affiliate meetings were held through freeconferencecall.com before the pandemic. And this has turned out to be a real uh, boom for us from a, a, a quality standpoint and excited for that. So I think we're going to continue to see growth in, in certain areas of ACB in the next three to five years. And then get up and get moving is one area. Uh, and it's, I think that it's, there's a couple of reasons for it. Number one, the membership is excited about it. It has a, it has its own brand inside the organization. Um, and obviously we're going to want to continue to, to cultivate that. But when you, when you look outward at potential funders and or potential corporate partners, there's a pretty big universe of, uh, you know, Nikes and Walmarts, but healthcare providers, health insurance providers, um, the exercise and fitness community that that we can reach out to to gain support. Um, and I I think that there's a there's a balance to be struck there between, you know the the advocacy component and the you know the the public awareness component and, and corporate relationships a lot of this um 
isn't maybe structured in a way that it will be in the next year or two, because this is one of these programs that, that was created very organically, uh, which I think is the, the right way to go about, um, you know, creating uh, programs, uh, you know, the, the members should, should, you know, in, in instances like this, that we need to be listening to the members and their wants and needs. And so, but there, there's the opportunity to provide this a little more strategic structure and to um, identify some, some, some goals and objectives for this, uh, for this program. Additionally, I would say the audio description project, uh, it, it is, uh, it has blown up. Um, I would say over the last two to three years, and a lot of it is due to our own success in advocacy with streaming services. Uh, and, you know, our audio description project website, which is being redesigned. Um, there, you know, there is a, a movement afoot for, you know, accessible entertainment. And that now includes the audio description work that we do in audio description as, as an art form and a, and a science. And it's an area of, of huge potential for us. I was invited uh, in July to speak to uh, on a panel dealing with accessible entertainment that, that Netflix held in New York City at a theater. And uh, when that was done, when that panel was finished, we all sat in the theater. It was about 500 people. And we watched the Netflix uh, summer blockbuster, The Gray Man, that had open captioning as well as open audio description. So everybody heard it. You didn't need a headset. I'd never had that happen in my life. And it was, it was very cool because I wasn't just there with like my blind friends. I was there with, <laughs> I was there with hundreds of other people, most of whom weren't blind, but they got to experience it. And it was really, um, it was really very moving and, and awesome. And I, you know, the, the work that, that our members have done to advocate for this uh, in entertainment, as well as education and employment. Uh, this is an area um, that I believe uh, has no choice but to grow. Um, the, the board of directors approved uh, at the, the last board meeting, um, the addition of a, of a full-time employee to be the audio description project coordinator uh, yet this year. And so we're developing a position description for that. And you'll be seeing a, a job announcement go out in the coming weeks here. So uh, we need to, we need to resource this from a, from a staffing standpoint. It's very important. And then, you know, as you take a look at, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I would call them programs, but they are key channels within ACB to, to engage and to communicate. Uh, you've got the community platform uh, that is managed by Cindy Hollis and Colby Garrison and a slew of really talented volunteers. And then ACB Media, they go hand in glove. 
in so many different areas. The, the ability for us to continue to uh, meet people where they are with community events uh, as being the, the really excellent front door uh, to a lot of folks that, that learn about ACB. But look at doing some other things to, to go alongside it to potentially, I don't know, offer continuing educa education credits for some select events. Um, to you know, be able to develop at some point maybe a curriculum for for certain aspects of of what goes on in the community. Um, there's there's a wide array of really excellent content that you know happens within the community, and I, I don't know if you all are aware, but we're averaging a hundred events a week. And last Saturday night, it was so cool. We celebrated our 10,000th event, and that's just since March 17th of 2020. So this, to me, we've built this foundation, and we have structure that has been built around it, and there's still the ability to grow it in different ways. Same thing holds for ACB Media. You know, we hired Rick Morin in March of this year to really manage ACB Media and our IT because it had grown to a place where we needed to have, you know, a, a full-time employee overseeing uh, ACB Media. And a lot of that was generated because of everything that's taking taken place and taking place within community. And so these are the areas where I see us growing and, and continuing to to evolve what we do but we can't do any of this without the active involvement of our volunteers um you know our, our members um because we don't have enough people <laughs> uh on staff and likely never will in order to be able to handle 100 events a week right that's just it it's a crazy amount. And so um, I think overall, the future of ACB is very bright. Uh, you know, there are always going to be on, you know, challenges that happen. Uh, the economy isn't very good this year. And we witnessed, you know, some, some challenges in terms of fundraising for the, for the convention. Um, you know, there are other things that are outside of our control. Um, but what I, I feel is that, you know, we're, we're doing our level best to um, meet you all where you are and, uh, and, and move forward. Uh, we'll, we'll make mistakes as we go and we'll attempt to correct them. They're not nefarious, <laughs> but we're all just people. And so... Uh, you know, as we continue to grow, um, patience is uh, is a is a good virtue to have. Um, but I also expect a lot from my team, and they, you know, and you all expect a lot from me, and and that's all that's fair. Um, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm really happy to have the opportunity to to do this work 
to represent ACB. And uh, thanks so much for having me, Donna. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Eric. And do we have any questions or comments or anything for Eric? We have a little bit of time. Go ahead, Glenn. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Eric, uh, wonderful presentation there. And I was just wondering, um, is there any work being done uh, by ACB for the durable medical devices, uh, such as CPAP machines um, and uh, home uh, medical equipment? Um, for, for example, uh, my CPAP machine that I have now <clears throat> is uh, obviously digital, but it does have the, the round knob and with the mm -hmm. help of CNAI, uh, I can go in and, you know, view, view my um, hours used or make a s setting change for the humidifier or whatever. But the newer ones are all touchscreen and right. I'm very concerned about the future of that type of equipment. That, that's a great question, Glenn. I did not know that seeing AI could be effective in an environment like that. That's cool. Is it pretty reliable? Um, yes, I, I can use them to change and, and get setting changes um, with uh, <coughs> my current machine because it has the um, circular knob and you know, you just turn the knob and it'll go right, one click right. down and whatnot. And then, okay, yes, hit your button, select. Um, touch screen though does scare me. Um, no, I, and I, I can understand that. And so um, the, the there is a, a non-visual uh, medical accessibility uh, piece of legislation that we worked on with NFB to, to get introduced, I want to say early this year. Um, and we can get you some information on that, but I, I do believe that it covers uh, devices like, like a CPAP. That would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sure. Anybody else? No, ma'am. Not yet. Yeah, yeah, I tired everybody out. Well, <laughs> as soon as we say no hands raise, and <laughs> most of the time there's been somebody. Well, Eric, thank you very much for giving up your time this evening and taking away from your family. And I appreciate everything you do for ACB uh, and your staff. They're they're amazing. Uh, every time I call there, I, I just, well, first of all, they're so friendly, but I just I usually get a good response. And so thank you. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. I, I work with a really talented crew of people. So excellent. Yeah. Don't, don't hesitate to call if you've got questions, guys. Oh, um, got one. All right. <laughs> there you I go. Knew it. <laughs> okay. Ten, uh, yeah, Glenn, go ahead. It's me again. Um, I just wanted to also um, say the audio description is just wonderful. And it's not just television and movies. Um, going to the Kennedy Center, they have a wonderful audio description program yeah. with uh, live volunteers, and they do a phenomenal job. They do. So the, the 
um, my eight-year-old Tyler, uh, literally about two days before he was born, I took Rebecca out for our last like evening. Um, and we went and saw an audio described uh, showing of the Lion King and it was spectacular um, at the Kennedy Center. And uh, that is one of those shows where the audio description is totally amazing because there's so much happening with all of the puppetry and everything. It just was like, wow. So, and, and that, that um, the Kennedy Center description, Glenn, that is something that ACB worked on probably, gosh, I don't know, Donna, if you're aware, but it's got to be 20 years Oh, it, ago it's been a, more. a long time ago, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, but don't, too at the Kennedy Center. I I think like some programming, if there is materials, um, you can get some things in in Braille too. Like if it's yes, a oh, we got a Braille playbill that evening. That, Absolutely, that, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, because I went to a, a a friend of mine. Her daughter was playing in some kind of real band, you know, community band or or some kind of band camp that she went to, and then they had a concert, you know, at the kennedy center and they had the program i got a braille copy of it i thought it was very interesting um matt one of our members who did pass away from covid used to take cindy and myself to the kennedy center for different um things and one of the ladies at the desk one night said if you guys are coming and it's not a night that's audio description or you need a different night, let us know. And they will do everything they can to get an audio describer. Yes. Which I thought was just wonderful. Yep. Betty Siegel is the woman that runs it. Um, all of the, the disability services at, at the Kennedy Center. Oh, and, okay. um, uh -huh. She's been a, a great advocate uh, and working with us and um, Joel Snyder, uh, you know, longtime ACB member and contractor with us um, did a, a lot of work over at the Kennedy Center with Betty. Well, it certainly TV. shows. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, again, Eric, thank you. And hopefully we'll hear from you again sometime. Uh, well, I, I know some of us will. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> I'll be, yeah, are, are you coming to the board meeting? I am in coming in person. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I look forward yeah. to it. Yes, yes, yes. All right. All right. So we will, uh, let's do a door prize. Oh, Eric, before just, oh, I was going to tell him before he came, he won a door prize. I've forgotten. Marsha, can you? Oh, were you going to tell him he won a door yeah, prize? Yeah, but he's early? gone. He's oh, gone. he is gone. Okay, yeah. I was making too much noise there for a second. Okay, we're gonna getting kind of empty here. I don't. All right, let's see. Jamaica Miller. All right. All right, and we have another gift card from Donna Brown, a twenty-five dollar Amazon gift card. Wow. Well, see, okay. we did get your name, Donna, but not on the side you wanted. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's okay. Oh, sorry. Um, do we want to do, I need to write these down here. Um, did you want to do? Uh, do one more. One more, okay. And then okay. we'll do the rest before we. 
falling out. Okay. We have Debbie Kane. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, and the next one on my list is the um, uh, Dawn Brush. Uh, oh. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't have down what she, the value she, she, is. She did not say. Uh, she okay. just said she was going to donate an item. And okay. uh, when, you know, when it was drawn and she would get with the person to, okay. you know, discuss. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess De Debbie will find she out. She might have they? like a couple of options, you know, choices and Debbie would choose or something. Yeah, I, that, I really that. don't know what her plan is, but, but yeah, she'll come through be, with something. I feel. Yeah. Sure. That'll be great for Debbie. Okay. So Cecily, were we going to end the stream? We are. So okay. Thank you, Katie, for streaming.